noise for the worship team tonight. I thought it sounded great. They were on a, they didn't have any, like they barely had instruments and it still sounded great. All right, before we move on, let's have everybody move forward as much as you can. We're going to do that again. So if you guys are in the back, come on and move forward as much as you can. Thank you guys so much. There you go. If you're past the middle, move forward. How about that? So, like, you guys in that back row, come on up forward. Thank you. Awesome. We're just going to be doing this every week. So we're just going to keep moving forward. Like, uh, what is that? Isn't that Nemo? Keep moving forward. That's keep swimming forward. Robinson. That's Meet the Robinsons. Yeah. I was thinking of keep swimming. Meet the Robinsons. Yeah. Keep moving forward. Okay. You know, I actually really don't like that movie. I think, I, I, I think it's overrated. I don't know. I'm just trying to start. I'm just trying to cause controversy here. All right, I'm going to address the elephant in the room, and that is today is the last day to sign up for the Bold Conference experience, whatever you want to call it. But I just want to say that we actually have 47 teenagers going to the Bold Experience this year. So let's let's give it a round of applause, you guys. That is awesome. That's awesome. Hey, when I when I uh, first. Um, started thinking about the Bold Experience early, early this year in January, um, I believe that God dropped a number to me, and the number was 50. He said, I believe he told me that we're going to be bringing 50 teenagers to Bold. So we're still actually looking for three more. So if you haven't signed up for Bold, we've got three slots for you. We actually have more than three slots available, but I just want to encourage you guys that if you have not registered yet, we actually have spots open. So I'm very excited for that. But yes, that is coming up. So I'm going to get into my message tonight, and to do that, I'm going to read a Bible verse for you, actually. It's found in Exodus 3, verse 5. Does anybody have their, like, physical Bibles with them? Does anybody, like, did anybody bring a physical Bible? No? no? Okay, everyone's got digital. Last week at Journey, last week at Journey, oh, you got one? Do you want to find that for me and read it? Sure. You, yeah, you kind of, I kind of tricked you a little bit. Last week at Journey, uh, Pastor Mike Plain came and is a guest speaker, and he spoke, and he asked the same question if anyone had physical Bibles. It's Exodus 3.5. Yes, 3.5. And, like, nobody had their Bibles. And this was, like, you know, Sunday church. You know, this was, like, church church. But um, what? You don't have your Bible. Oh, okay. Well, I already found somebody, so I'm sorry. You can just, you can just read it from there. Okay. 3.5. That's perfect. That's perfect. Give her a round of applause, you guys. That's awesome. That's the exact verse I needed. It says, then God said, do not come any near. Take your sandals off your feet out of respect, because the place in which you're standing is holy ground. I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to get started. Father, I thank you for this amazing group of people. I just pray that you just bless this word tonight, and that let it, us receive it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. It says, God said, do not come near. Take your shoes off your feet respectfully because you are standing on holy ground. And so, I don't know, I was just thinking, you know, if, if the Bible happened today, right? Like, you know, if Moses was today, what kind of shoes he would wear? What do you guys think? What kind of shoes would he wear? Because I was thinking, like, dad shoes. Air Force Ones. I don't know. Birkenstocks, that makes sense. Slides. I'm hearing lots. Yeezys. Yeah, he, he might have. So I was just thinking, like, you know, I, I always imagine Moses, 
wearing like dad shoes with like khaki pants, like just got a dad bod going. I don't know why. He probably was nothing like that at all. But that got me thinking a little bit that who in Elevate currently is wearing the best shoes? Who is wearing the best shoes? Because the winner is going to get two packs of M&Ms. So I, I need to pick two people. I need to pick two people who are wearing the best shoes, and we're going to vote. I need to, like, see your shoes first so I don't have somebody with, like... Okay, we've got some good shoes over here. I, I need to, like, see... You're just holding up slides over there. All right, you know, this is too much for me to handle. Where's Andrew? Where's Andrew? Andrew, pick out two shoes for me. Pick out two people with good shoes. I can't handle this. This is too much pressure for me. We've got some good contenders over here. We've got good contenders over here. You are, you're wearing probably closest to what Moses actually wore. Okay, those are pretty cool shoes. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Okay, those are nice shoes too. Okay, those are pretty neat. Okay, I like those. Grant, what are you holding? <laughs> hey, if, he pick, if Andrew picked you, come up on stage. All right, you're going to stand here. <laughs> There's even yours. <laughs> All right, we've got the first contender. <laughs> I don't think those are yours. <laughs> Drew, you can't go wrong by Converse. Oh, did you get picked too? All right, come on on this side. Come on on this side. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going, I need you guys to vote for which pair of shoes you think is better. That's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for like a specific scenario. I'm just saying better. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold my hand over one of their heads, and I just need you guys to just do the classic church thing and just cheer for the one you want to vote for, okay? So can you all see? Feel free to like stand up if you can't see. We've got some, we've got some really, we've got some different shoes going on here. So Okay, llama socks. Okay. All right. If you vote, well, first of all, let's, let's tell them your names. What's your name? Um, I'm Caden. He's Caden. Okay. I'm Hannah. And she's Hannah. All right. So I, if you think Caden's got the better shoes, I need you guys to make some noise. Well, that was so delayed. Okay. All right. If you think Hannah has the better shoes, I need you to make some noise. All right. I'm, I think I'm going to go with Hannah. She, I think she had the better shoes. So I've got... I've got a box of M&Ms for you, and then you can give one to one of your friends, too, so. So, good job. Oh, and I've got a consolation prize. I found this. I just dug around the snack room at Elevate, so you're welcome, guys. You're welcome. All right, let's give them both a round of applause, guys. Those weren't even Caden's shoes, so I think Hannah got the better applause, but I honestly, I didn't have the heart to vote to pick Caden, because that wasn't even his shoes, so. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, okay. So I got that. I was, I was also thinking, um, you know, there's some crazy shoes out there, um, designed by some really weird people. And I found, I've got, I brought some via the power of the internet. So let's put up the first image. 
Okay, so shoes are just getting weirder. I know this is your shoes that people might actually wear. I just think it looks like, as you walk, it looks like it's about to pop or something. Like, I don't know, it's like. All right, catch me after service. Catch me after service. All right, let's put up the next one. I saw these. Funny story, funny story. I was in the media room. I was gathering these pictures in the media room at church, and I'm just like in there by myself, like looking at pictures, and I had this like pulled up full screen, and one of our staff members just like walks in and just like freezes there, and I just like, hi. <laughs> this is for Elevate, I promise. <laughs> but it's just like, imagine somebody walking down the aisle to get married in those. Like, I just think that would be, that'd be legendary. Let's put up, let's put up the next one. Hey, you gotta wear Okay, this one makes me very uncomfortable. Extreme discomfort here. Who would actually wear those? Zach's got his hand up. Okay, Zach's got two hands up, actually. All right, we actually have a decent amount. Let's throw up, let's throw up the next one. This one? Caitlin. Caitlin? This one? Yeah, we're having Judah soon. You know, you're, you're just, you're in an office building, you gotta bring your kid to work day. I don't know, like, I, I think I have one last one, and this one shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> this one's inhumane, I'm just gonna say it. There's, there's some issues with that, but... If I had to imagine which shoes I thought Moses was wearing, I think it would be the one that, like, wrapped around his leg and, like, gripped his, like, thigh. Like, I think that's just awkward and uncomfortable. And I think that's the reason that God was saying, take off those shoes. This is holy. Do not do that. I almost fell off the stage. Okay. So I'm going to read the verse again. And don't picture any of those shoes. It makes you uncomfortable. But it says, God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet out of respect because the place you are standing is holy ground. So, um, you know, this is God, so for some context, Moses is, uh, he, he fled Egypt, you know, he was uh, adopted by the Egyptians, he killed a man, fled Egypt, I'm giving like the super rundown version, just watch Prince of Egypt, it'll catch you up, but he fled Egypt, and he was out, you know, his people were enslaved, so he was out tending the flocks, and a burning bush, a bush started burning, but it wasn't consumed by the fire. So this catches his attention. Moses goes over to there, and the Bible actually says that the angel of the Lord, which we know is Jesus, was speaking to him through the bush. And one of the first things the voice says was, don't come near, take off your shoes out of respect, because this place is holy ground. What what? I think the, the big takeaway from this passage is just going to be the sheer magnitude of God's holiness, right? Just the sheer goodness of God's holiness. And the reason God asked Moses to take his sandals and his shoes off was because God was commanding a certain level of respect and honor from him, right? Because Moses was not like holy and pure to the extent and to the level that God was. And so God was saying, hey, you need to take off your shoes. This area is holy ground. And God was saying the area was holy ground. He, and another places that God had holy ground in was with the Israelites. You know, he wanted, God wanted to dwell among the Israelites, so he created scenarios and situations where God could be holy and affect them in miraculous ways. 
You know, this is a side note, but something you're going to see through the entirety of the Bible, the entirety of Scripture, is God's stubbornness to dwell among people. You know, God is like one of the most stubborn people I can ever imagine. It's just his stubbornness to stick with people even after they sin time and time and time again. But here's the issue, though. God is stubborn to bring his holiness to the people of Israel. You know, God is saying, I'm holy, I'm set apart, I'm good, I'm pure. I need to be with the people of Israel. And the Israelites, we know we're we're impure because of sin. Sin makes us impure. And the problem is when holiness and impurity come in contact, holiness wins every time. When holiness and impurity come in contact, holiness wins every time. And this is what made Moses so afraid is because he deep down knew this. He was an Israelite. He knew this deep down that when holiness and impurity come in contact, holiness wins every single time. The prophet Isaiah, um, he's also in the Bible, the prophet Isaiah, he, um, he had a vision and a dream that he was in the most holy place with God. And he was actually on the, he was actually in the throne room with God. And the Bible says that he was afraid because of his impurity and because of his sin. But because of, because that God wanted to dwell among the Israelites so much, then he asked the Israelites to be put through these uh, rituals to purify themselves, to make them pure, to make them holy with God. And so some of those rituals include things, included like not touching things that were impure, not touching dead things, not touching sick people, and not doing those things. Because what would happen is through that, they would become ritually impure if they touched like a dead animal or if they touched a person that was sick, that would make them impure and not fit to be holy with God. And I want us to think about it like this way. Does anybody here cook on a regular basis? Anybody cook? Okay, there's actually a decent amount of people that are cooking. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of rules in cooking, right? There's a lot of things you shouldn't do. But one of the mo- there's one rule that's like super, super important that I've got like drilled into my head. And that is do not contaminate eating utensils with raw chicken, Okay. If you're ever going to cook, don't, con- don't use the fork that you're going to eat and touch some raw chicken because that's going to contaminate the fork. And because that's what's, what it's going to do is it's going to get its grossness onto the fork. It's going to basically, it's, it's a cheesy illustration, but it's going to transfer its impurity onto the fork, right? It's going to make the fork impure and not fit to eat or you'll get salmonella and possibly die. Like, don't do that because that is not good stuff. I believe it's salmonella. Don't do that. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, it was kind of like this is a good picture for us to imagine what the Israelites had to do, right? They were pure because of the rituals. They were made pure um, through their rituals. And if they were to touch something that was impure, it was like you're touching raw chicken and it's transferring its impurity onto them. But I don't want to focus on the Israelites. I want to go back to Isaiah. And Isaiah, he was an Israelite, he was a prophet. And so he understood and he knew this principle of holiness and purity and impurity. And he knew that because of his impurity, he could not come in contact with God. And so when he, when he was had, having this vision in the throne room with God, with the, the entity of the holy of holies, you can understand that he is afraid. So I want to pick up the story. Isaiah chapter 6, it says, Then I said, it's all over. 
I am doomed. I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. This is what I'm saying, that, you know, Isaiah, he knew he was impure. And he's like, I'm going to die. Like, I am doomed. This is it. I am over. Like, this is the last breath I'm ever going to take. Because when impurity and holiness come in contact, holiness wins every time. But then something different happens in this passage. Something different happens. It says, then one of the seraphim, which, is, which are the angels that are surrounding God, one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, the coal has touched your lips. Your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. The coal has touched your lips. Your, sin, your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. What's crazy about this is that the angel purified Isaiah. What's crazy is Isaiah didn't die. He didn't get burned up. And Isaiah's impurity didn't transfer onto the coal either. But in fact, what some, something different happened that Isaiah wouldn't have been used to, that the Israelites wouldn't have been used to. And that is, the, it wasn't his impurity was transferred or he was destroyed, but it was in fact the purity of God transferred to him. And that is really, really important. That the purity of God was transferred to him. And in fact, he wasn't obliterated, but he was made holy. He was made pure. His impurity was replaced with holiness. Someone else that demonstrates this really well was a Jew and an Israelite by the name of Jesus. You know, Jews, like I said, the Israelites, they were not supposed to touch sick people. They were not supposed to touch dead things. They were not supposed to touch lepers. But, of course, what did Jesus go around doing? He touched sick, th he touched sick people. He touched lepers. He touched dead things. And typically, their impurity should have passed on to Jesus and made Jesus impure. But instead, what happens is Jesus' purity is transferring into the dead things. Jesus' purity is, in fact, transferring into the sick people and making them pure as well. So Jesus was kind of like a catalyst of purity in his culture. He was like a catalyst of goodness and grace in his culture. And here's the important thing is that when we come into the presence of the holy of holies, we should not be afraid to be destroyed or obliterated. And I think most of us aren't because we're used to the new covenant, right? We're used to Jesus's purity transferring to us. And I think sometimes we forget that that wasn't always the case. You know, when the, when the temple priests would have to go into the most holy of holies and make a sacrifice, they actually had to tie a rope around his ankle in case he was in there and he wasn't fully pure. Because well, what happened again is when impurity and holiness came in contact, holiness won and they would have to drag out his body because he was just obliterated by the holiness. But now, his holiness is transferred to us, making us 100% pure and holy. And that is the best news in the world. It's not even like we're 99% pure or we're 99% holy. Because how many of you guys know that God requires that 100%, amen, right? God requires that 100%. And even if there was that 1% or 0.1%, and if we come in contact with God or with Jesus, the entity of the holy of holies, we would just be obliterated because God is 100% God. And that's what's crazy is that when we worship, you know, that's, I, I really love this acoustic set tonight. But when we came up to the front and worshiped God, we actually stepped into the holy of holies tonight. 
that's something we did. Whether you realized it or not, whether you were worshiping or not, whether whatever, whatever you were thinking, we stepped into the Holy of Holies. And we were, we were not destroyed, we were not obliterated, but it was Jesus' purity transferred to us tonight. And in fact, it happened 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross that he transferred his purity to us, whether we received it or not. And this changes everything, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. We don't just sit and get to be holy, but there's a famous passage, Mark 16, and it says, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes it will be baptized and saved, but anyone who refuses to believe it will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety and drink anything poisonous. It won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Again, that last little sentence right there would have been crazy for the Israelites to hear. Because they're like, I cannot place my hands on the sick, or I would become impure. But Jesus is saying, hey, your holiness, that is through me now. You know, I gave you my holiness. Now you have my holiness. You are to go out into the world and transfer that holiness around you to other people. To cast out, to, to not cast out the sick, but to cast out demons and heal the sick. That that should be transferred to you. Jesus was effectively telling his followers, it's not good enough to just sit around and be holy. It's not good enough to be sit around and be holy because your holiness is a gift for other people. Your holiness is a gift for other people, just like Jesus' holiness was a gift to you. And I don't know if we're used to thinking about it like that, but it is. It is a gift for other people because if we're going to, because as you move and as you walk and as you go about your day, everywhere you're walking, you are transferring God's holiness and God's purity to the people you talk to, to the people you meet, to the schools you go to, to the coffee shops you go to, to your workplaces. You are, you are bringing your, the holy ground with you everywhere you go. You no longer have to go to a certain room or to a burning bush to get in God's presence and you have to take off your shoes and you have to like act a certain way. You have to have ritual holiness. But no, you are actually carrying the tent the tabernacle, the holy of holies, at the bottom of your feet everywhere you walk. Everywhere you go, you are bringing God's holiness to the places. You know, there's a word that the Bold Conference likes to use a lot, and it's actually in their mission statement, and it's called cons consecration. It's called consecration. Who has heard of the word consecration before? I know I have. I actually had to look up what it mean meant because I was like, I, I know, I've heard it. I think I know what it means, but I'm not sure. But consecration means cleansing someone or something of sin and ritual impurity and then dedicating that person for a thing or a specific purpose. So it's making somebody holy. It's saying, hey, you are no longer ritually impure. You are, in fact, pure. You are holy. And it's not stopping there. It's taking it a step further and saying, all right, now that you are holy, I dedicate you for the specific pur purpose. So now go. Essentially, consecration is holiness plus action. Consecration is holiness plus action. And the Bible says that we have all been consecrated for a specific purpose. We were all made for a time such as today. You know, have you ever wondered, you know, I wish I was born in a different century or a different decade. You know, I know, I know my, my friend Zach over here probably wishes he was born in the 60s, I'm guessing, probably. 
Yeah, somewhere around there. But I don't know if you guys have ever wondered you were born in a specific decade or century. I, I, some of, part of me wishes I was born in like the Wild West era or like the medieval era. But then I think they didn't have AC and I'm like, <laughs> that's going to be a no for me. I, don't, I, I enjoy AC and Wi-Fi a little bit too much. But the Bible says that we have been born and set apart for a time such as today. That is today you were made for, t- you were made for today. You were made for this school. You were made for this. You were made for Liberty, Missouri. You were made for Smithville. You were made for Liberty High School. That we have been set apart for today. We've been consecrated, which means we have been made holy by God. We have accepted Jesus as our Savior, and God has been making us holy day by day, and we've been set apart every day. And then now he sends us with a dedication and says, now go. Because we have been consecrated. We have been made holy, and you add an action to that, and that's consecration. I like to think of it like this in James 2.17. It says, so too faith, if it doesn't have works to back it up, it is by itself dead, inoperative, and ineffective. I think that I want, I want to say, I want to go on a limb here and say the same is true with holiness. You can be holy all day. You can sit around and read your Bible 24-7. You can do all the things that make you holy. But if you're not doing anything with it, it's inoperative. It's ineffective. It's got nothing to back itself up because consecration means go. Consecration means go. Don't be afraid or nervous to go into the dark parts, to touch the dead schools, to to go into your families because God's holiness is backing you up behind you. You know, we shouldn't be afraid of the darkness or of the the sickness, you know, whether that's physical sickness or maybe that's like a spiritual sickness. We shouldn't be afraid of it because we're making it pure. You know, we're making it pure. It's easy to like ask God, God, just take this all away, right? Just take away, you know, why don't, why don't you do something about all this pain? Why don't you do something about all of this? And God is saying, yes, I am. Why don't, why, go, go do it, you know? God has set us apart for this purpose. And we have been made holy. The Bible says we are holy and consecrated. First Peter 1, 15 says, But like the Holy One who has called you, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Be set apart from the world in your godly character and moral courage. You shall be holy and set apart, for I am holy. Everywhere we go, we are transferring Jesus' purity into the world. And as we wrap up here, I want to look at Isaiah one last time. Because God, I believe God gave Isaiah three things, and I think he's giving us those things today. So I just want to read this uh, last passage of scripture for you guys in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 4. Uh, the worship team, then come on up now. And it's the same passage. He's in the throne room with God. It says, and the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out. The temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, woe is me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal. He says, listen carefully. This has touched your lips. Your sin, your wrongdoing is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go before us? And I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah was living in a time in a really dark era for the Israelites. They were far from God. They were, it was one of their many times where they were fleeing God. And God's saying, who shall I send 
to go out. Isaiah saying, here am I, send me. And so God gave Isaiah three different things. God gave Isaiah, Isaiah was given awareness, he was given holiness, and he was given opportunity. Isaiah was given awareness of the issue, he was given awareness of the darkness, he was given, hey, this is bad, and it's gonna get worse. So God took him and he gave him holiness. He said, you are set apart, and I am making you whole, holy, and I'm setting you apart for this purpose. You are pure, your sins are atoned for, and your sins are forgiven. And lastly, he was given opportunity. God said, who is going to go out and do something about this? Isaiah could have said no. He could have shrunk back and hid in a closet, right? But he said, here am I, send me. And I believe tonight God's giving us all this opportunity to have the same three things. So let's all stand up tonight. I believe that God has given us those three things as well. I believe that we have been given awareness of the issues. Yeah, I don't think we need to dwell on that too much. I think we all are aware of what's going on. But I believe, you know, there are world issues, but I also think there are issues that are happening in our friend groups or our families or in our classrooms or with certain people. Because we could just throw out like just a big issue of the world, you know. But I think God has set us apart in such a time as this in our own circles that we've been made aware of. God's given us holiness. You know, that's something that's happening tonight is that God is setting us apart. He's letting us come to the altar and be set apart for him and become pure with our sins atoned for and forgiven. And now we come to the third thing, which is he's given us an opportunity. And this opportunity doesn't have to look like something you know, huge or big, maybe it's just as something as small as just praying over somebody or praying over a situation. Maybe it's something really small as speaking life to it in your thought life. And maybe it is something bigger. I'm not gonna try to put that in your, in your mind, but I'm gonna let God do that. But I believe each of us, I don't think there's a single person in the entire planet that doesn't have a purpose, that has not been consecrated for a purpose. Father, I just lift up everyone in this room I thank you that you've made us holy. I ask right now that you just give us a mission. Don't let us just use this holiness for our, our own benefit. But consecration means go. Father, I just thank you for everyone in this room. Just Holy Spirit, fill us up in this place as we worship tonight. just to seek your face and just to seek your heart.